Hello, hello. So welcome to episode number 89 of The Space in Between. And in a moment, we're going to be sitting with Leah, who is a graduate of our Nomad Teacher Training Program and also participant of the six-week program, Who Are We Becoming? Our Healing Journey. So we'll be sitting with her and yeah, a few things happening that are coming up in Nomadland. Uh, I will be leading another journey of Who Are We Becoming? A Healing Journey. Uh, That's going to be happening at the end of September. And it is, you'll hear today about Leah's experience and you've heard perhaps Jonathan's experience a couple of weeks ago. It is, and for myself too, it was actually really special and even more, even more than what I had anticipated for this group and for myself. Um, A lot of healing had occurred with, um, within our individual journeys and our collective story. So if that is intriguing to you, definitely come join us. I'm starting a new group at the end of September. It's diving into this movement practice of mine, Movement 109, and then also a bit of exploration of your own story, some obstacles that you might be facing currently or that have been carried from your past. We unpack those and I give you more healthy resources that can bolster you and kind of move you forward into the next chapter of your life. And then we hold space for each other. Each week we we hold space for each other's stories and celebrate each other's stories. It's, it's a really special space. Uh, so that's happening at the end of September. You can find out more at my website, phoebeleona.com or nomad, nomadalwaysatome.com. And also Movement 109, if you are a teacher, a healer, healing facilitator, uh, and you are ready to dive into a new modality or help find a modality to integrate into what you're already facilitating, Movement 109 might be the thing for you. Uh, That's also happening this fall, beginning at the end of September. So you can find out more there. And yeah, just a lot of other things brewing that I'll share with you soon. Uh, And what we're doing in these podcasts the next several weeks too is celebrating different healers. So we have a Nomad's Circle for Healers. Last week we featured Jean Marie, uh, who is now reading charts, Vedic astrology charts. And this week we're kind of featuring Leah, but then also me in, in what I offer with Who Are You Becoming or Who We Are Becoming. And um, yeah, and then we'll be featuring other healers that can be helping you. So you can learn more about these modalities, more about the facilitators and and guides, teachers each week and dive into it with them. So that's about it. Let's go ahead and hear what Leah has to say. Okay, so I'm here with Leah in Zoom land. And Leah, I have known, how long have I officially known you for? A year now, possibly. Yeah, Yeah. a little bit over a year. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't know you before the teacher training. Um, No, I just came on um, into the studio that we met um, as an intern there for school. And then I just happened to be doing the training there. And then that's where I met you. Yeah. So you were one of my nomad teacher graduates. You are now Mm -hmm. a yoga teacher. And you've been doing this for the past year. Yes. And you also graduated? Yes, I just graduated in May. 
crazy time to be doing that, but. <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to hear more about that too. But, but we just, we kind of reconnected this, this summer because I was leading uh, this new series, Who Are We Becoming yeah. Our Healing Journey? And I thought of you because you are a dancer. You went through the yoga teacher training program. And, and I had, I have a little, you know, um, what's the right word? I just had a lot of respect for, you know, who you, how, who you are as a, a person and, and, you know, how mature you are and how you carry yourself and, and you really lit up with Movement 109. So I thought, oh, let's invite Leah into this circle. <laughs> so, so I got to know you even more intimately in that respect um, in our six-week series. So, yeah. Oh, you're so you. sweet, Phoebe. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're going to be an intern here with Nomad. Yes, I'm really excited. A lot of good yeah. stuff. I know you were telling me a lot of good stuff is happening, so I'm happy to be a part of it. I know. I'm so excited. So yeah, let's go back and learn a little bit more about who Leah is. So where where are you now and where are you from? And um, I'm from Austin. I'm from Austin, New York in Westchester County. Yeah. Um, uh, I am a dancer. I my background training my background is in dance and I just graduated from Marymount Manhattan College with a degree in dance with a concentration in body and science. Um, so I've been a lover of movement my entire life, and um, naturally that's just kind of where uh, yoga came into the picture as a easy evolution from my dance background, but was very radically different um, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, and Phoebe, you know that very well <laughs> with <do>. the <laughs> dancer background as well. Um, yeah. And so once I done the training with you and started teaching, I officially started teaching my first class in September, and I got really lucky to um, have the opportunity to be working at a studio. And if anyone told me that within my first year of teaching that COVID would happen, I would be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's definitely something. I'm learning to navigate, especially going from teaching live classes, getting comfortable doing that, um, or thinking that I'm getting comfortable doing that, <laughs> and then just and then just when I thought it was okay, um, COVID happened, and then we had to transition to online, and how that kind of created a very different way of I had to really find my voice differently um, yeah. through a screen, which I never really thought I would have to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then now we're kind of doing live classes again and I'm outdoors and I'm like, wow, this is different. And <laughs> like everyone's so far away and it's just, it's, a, it's really been, it's been a journey. I think it's definitely made me a lot more um, adaptable to change, mm -hmm. especially as a teacher. Um, and other times it has been a little difficult trying to find my voice in that way as a new teacher in general, but then within this new context of what's going on socially and our climate right now, but otherwise it's been good. I'm loving the journey so far. I can't complain too much. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. You really got thrown into it because yeah. there's so many people who've already been sort of, including myself, mm -hmm. already out here teaching for years. Mm -hmm. And then having to, you know, shift into the online world. 
Um, so yeah, you were really getting thrown into it. And when you were speaking, I was just thinking about how I'm sure you've heard this in the dance, you know, in your mm -hmm. in college of how you have to do everything. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. yeah, you know, you have to do ballet and jazz mm -hmm. and modern and contemporary and probably even tap or musical theater. Like we had to be as dancers so versatile and you're already getting that in terms of the teaching of, of yoga. Um, so, and it sounds like you're doing it with some sort of grace there, you know, just kind of like, okay, I don't know, let's try it. Hopefully. I mean, <laughs> I really have no choice in that matter. Yeah, um, well, the thing is, but yeah, but definitely, choice, but yeah. yeah, you're, you're seeing it as, okay, let's just try this. And it keeps me on my toes, you know, and, and yeah. And like you said, yeah, like with my dance background, we had to be so versatile and do a bunch of different things and then do it backwards. Yes. So, <laughs> so it's, it's, it definitely feels like I'm doing 10 different performances and choreography and then learning a new one every single week and then doing it, like reversing it as well. And, but <laughs> it's like what what else can we do at this point and it's it, that's yeah. also the I think the beautiful part that the lesson that I've at least learned during this time of uncertainty for everybody is just you can't plan everything and I'm a planner naturally mm -hmm. and I'm someone who likes to be quote-unquote ready and prepared and I kind of like that this year has been really challenging that for me in a way and yeah, so it's got to roll with the punches Yeah, <laughs> for me. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, I mean, that is that is the life of a dancer. And I was laughing because the one of my dearest friends that I danced with, Dante Paleo, he's now the artistic director of Le Mans. Uh, mm. he, I would be sort of his, um, I don't know what you would call me, but uh, he would he would, you know, choreograph on me. And see, then yeah. I would have to go, you know, I don't want to call it a dance captain or or a rehearsal director, but you know, that was basically, it was that he would, he would choreograph something and he didn't want to reverse it. So he would turn to me and say, okay, can you reverse that and do that on the left? <laughs> it's my worst nightmare. <laughs> I know. And he said it so, he said it just so, he's been on this podcast too. Uh -huh. He said it so dry and so serious. And I was like, yeah, sure. Of course here we are. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm laughing because I know that's so true about being a mm -hmm. dancer. You have to learn choreography. You have to have mm -hmm. a plan, right? Oh, the choreography is sort of your plan of action, but mm -hmm. then it can go in a whole other different way. You might have to absolutely retrograde it and, you know, absolutely. do it on the left side of the stage, then, you know, upstage rather than downstage or whatever your right. entrance is. It always up in the air, you know, up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> it's a partner. Your partner right. half of it and then you do the other half. It's yeah. And then we'll add another partner in there while we're at it. And yeah, it's crazy. Craziness. Yeah. And we all got to work with crazy, the good crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then that's the other thing too, that I, you know, I have, I have a good amount of time on you. I think I'm probably double your age, uh -huh. um, somewhere around there almost. But I think that is a strength of ours as dancers mm -hmm. is that we prepared. I've been saying this during this whole pandemic of how mm -hmm. um, I've been preparing this my whole life, you know, where a lot of people who are what you were saying, the planners, right? right. Who have had the steady nine to five jobs and okay, I'm going to, you know, get this job and I'll get this promotion and then I'll get married and then I'll have the kids. Right. 
as dancers, we don't ever, we've never had that. And right. so I, I feel like I've been prepared for this. And it sounds like the little time that you've had being out here as a yoga teacher and dancer, right? you feel like, oh, I'm ready for this. Yeah, this unpredictable, unknown space. Absolutely. And I definitely think it came at a very perfect time, at least, especially now I'm transitioning out of school and mm -hmm. I'm in this newly, this new phase of being a young adult outside of school. And I kind of appreciate that we were kind of, th I was thrown into this beautiful mess <laughs> that is <laughs> this pandemic and all that comes with it. And because I think if anything, um, I think I, maybe I seem prepared for it. I don't definitely feel prepared, but um, at least this moment in time right now will definitely prepare me for anything that comes next. Yeah. And so I tried, I hopefully try to keep that perspective in terms of when things get a little too crazy, but, um, but yeah. 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 I mean, I definitely think that, yeah, it's not as beautiful as we think it's, it is, it's a beautiful mess. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but so yes, we can be looking like everything is fine up here and smiling and, mm -hmm. and but then our feet and our legs are just like, ah, yeah. right. That's yeah, that's pretty much. Our feet can be bleeding and being torn <laughs> apart, but we continue to smile. And that's really what we're doing in life too, right? Absolutely. That's what being resilient is in a lot of ways. And and you actually started another, so we had the we had um, COVID, we had the pandemic right. in March. And then when I reconnected with you, what had just happened was, um, you know, we we had the whole movement with George Floyd and, and the BLM movement really right. came to the surface and really got momentum and you stepped in. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so in, um, in the midst of um, the Black Lives Matter movement really um, gaining momentum in this particular time, um, myself and um, a few of my peers, one of them including my cousin, we're all family, um, we decided to see what we can do um, within our community. Because um, at least from what we understand, what we're coming to understand is that systemic oppression and trying to dismantle those systems, it's a long game. It's a long haul. Um, it's not, it, and we thought that the very least that we can possibly do inside, aside from the individual work would be trying to see how we can bring the community together. Um, and so we um, decided to organize um, a collective called the Austining Allyship Collective. And really we um, have weekly meetings, we discuss, um, and hopefully, um, well, we discuss anti-racist work and um, we're hoping that these discussions can fuel initiatives that we can propose to the community to uplift. Um, our black and brown neighbors and BIPOC neighbors as well. Um, but yeah, so we're really excited about, um, we got a lot of stuff um, coming up in terms of our initiatives. Um, it's been a little difficult since we have to follow, I has to follow within um, the COVID guidelines, of course, and socially and social distance guidelines. Um, yeah, so if anything, we're just hoping to just be the shadows of those who actually run this movement. And it's the black and brown voices who are the leaders in this movement. And our jobs really is just to 
lend our resources and whatever we can to amplify those voices and those movements. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. You're just, you just threw yourself in, you chose to throw yourself into that, right? Yes. Um, Well, yeah, pretty much, but I think it was just more of, um, I think it's a privilege that I've been able to kind of throw myself into this, um, into this uh, space of Mm -hmm. just organizing. And it's definitely something that um, I never thought I'd be able to do. I know I do my own anti-racist work, but as far as making it a more collective, a community based, it's definitely something new for me. Um, And that comes with its own nerves on my part. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah, so hopefully, you know, we're, we just want to do our, um, what, what we can do. That's really what it is. And um, take action, turning, turning this idea of allyship into action is really what we're trying to do. That's beautiful. Yeah. Can you, um, I'm, yeah, I'm curious to know, you said you're, you've done this work on your own personally, but then it's different being out in the community. Can you talk about a little bit of the the obstacles or what, what feels different in that? Right. Um, That's a good question. Um, I think it's just, at least for me as a Filipino American woman, as a POC woman, um, I've already, I had already to know my own experience and, mm-hmm. um, and doing my own reading and, ex- and reading the experiences of um, other Filipino Americans and other BIPOCs. Um, but it's really one thing to know that you're, it's one thing to not be racist, but it's another to be anti-racist and being anti-racist comes with action. And whether that may be going to the protests or may that be making donations or um, implementing um, anti-racist work in, in different avenues in your own lives. Um, it's been, the difference would be, was just, sorry, Phoebe. That's good. <laughs> it does get cut, right? <laughs> He's got, okay, okay, okay. Oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> um, the question was that, Oh, the difference? Well, I think the difference yeah, is, just, is... Yeah. Yeah. So I think the difference for that is just, like, I know I'm doing my own work in terms of um, doing my own, like, self-educating myself in one way. And like I said, it's no, it's one thing knowing you're not racist, but in terms yeah. of turning that into action and how that could be tangible change um, yeah. is completely different. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I think mostly the challenge would be just um, kind of just seeing how the initiatives that we put forth um, and seeing how the, how the community um, kind of, I, I don't want to say react, but it's just more so it's just like the response of the community and yeah. um, especially coming from a community like mine where it. Um, really prides itself itself on being diverse, mm-hmm. and you quickly see that um, it just because a town is quote unquote diverse doesn't mean that it's inclusive, and mm-hmm. it also doesn't mean that it's equitable. 
Yeah. And, um, and prior to this, I wasn't particularly active in my hometown or in my community. Um, and so it's just now that I am kind of stepping into this um, new space. It's really interesting to see how maybe my experience in my town and the experiences of my other BIPOC neighbors um, look vastly different from um, our white counterparts and how everyone's just kind of coming to terms with that those two worlds are completely different and mm. now it's just I mean and it's always been like that but now it's just amplified and highlighted um, so it really is I think not really mo the challenge but it's just mostly just trying to really make it a, a community effort mm -hmm. um, and figuring out ways to really engage the community um, in that way if that makes sense yeah, it does. It sounds like, you know, it's been here this whole time. It's just a matter of turning that light on right. and seeing what what has been going on this whole time and right. then getting everybody on board in terms of their awareness and taking that action of coming Absolutely. together. Right? Yeah. Sort of just kind of putting it under the rug. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so during this time, I, I mean, I hope I don't share too much, but I just remember you were starting that that coalition the same week that we were starting our six week series and something that was coming up for you is you were just feeling a little bit nervous about speaking your truth. Mm -hmm. And and what was really beautiful to see is I feel like you really evolved with that. You really stepped into your voice at least within our group. Can you speak to if that was able to translate out into the world and to your coalition? Um, I think, that's a good question. I think, um, I think in general, I, yeah, no, my, I think I've just been trying to explore, especially, um, in this new transition phase of my life coming into young adulthood, really has just been finding my voice, whether that's being a teacher, um, or someone who's seen as an organizer, mm -hmm. um, quote unquote, um, mm -hmm. or um, or just even just as a young woman, just trying to be assertive. Um, it's it's definitely been an exploration. It's definitely been an exploration. Something that I'm not. I'm just naturally uncomfortable with. Um, and what I really appreciated about the who are we, who are we becoming theories was that I was um, also very, I noticed coming into it that I was having a really hard time um, finding my voice within my own story and mm. being confident within my own story. Um, and it's definitely something that I'm still working through. Um, but I definitely see the growth that um, you mentioned, which was great and I appreciate. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's always a, a process with that one. It is always a process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's so many layers. Yeah, and I think that within that six weeks that we worked together, there was a, a lot of layers or one big chunk of a layer mm -hmm. that was that was able to shed away. And then there's just, there'll be more. There'll be more. Absolutely. You're still young. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just when you think you've um, gotten through one layer and then, you know, you peek through and there's just a there's hundred more. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
I got yeah. 20 years on you and I've been still peeling those layers away. <laughs> keep thinking, oh, I think I'm done now. Or could I please take a break? And some way, no. No, no yeah. breaks. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so interesting because I think I we spoke about this before, um, especially kind of to that regard that just, especially because like I'm a quote unquote yoga teacher mm-hmm. and um, I'm, coming into, and at least in a class setting, I'm coming into this space to guide, and um, I feel like there's this um, air that needs to be, like, I've done my work, mm. and I know what I'm talking about, and <laughs> I'm enlightened, or whatever, however you want to call it, and I, I kind of like and love that um, when a teacher comes forward and it's just like, I don't know what the hell is going on and it's going to keep, I'm going to keep growing. And, and I kind of, I don't know, it's just, I, I remember, I think we spoke about how like, yeah, like I loved that, you know, just because I have this title as this quote unquote title as someone who maybe has it together in that <laughs> sense, um, that it's very humbling to know that it's very much okay to not. <laughs> have it together yeah. yeah I think that that's an inter- that's an interesting can of worms we could open up but right. yeah I mean um you did the 200 hour with me mm-hmm. and we have the 300 hour where we talk about spiritual bypassing right and so that's what I sort of think of, of what you said is there's this mm-hmm. air to a yoga teacher or any sort of healer that comes in and says or or teacher that says I know all mm-hmm. you know here I am and right. and that's in a sense bypassing because there are there's we're all doing our work we're all trying to look at our shadows and mm-hmm. and sit in that space of the darkness and and what I find, have found as a teacher is that maybe I'm just a step or two ahead of the the group that I'm guiding that day right. or maybe I'm side by side with them Absolutely. and I'm I'm as humble and saying I really don't know what we're doing today yeah mm-hmm. things like things that are happening globally, like the pandemic, like Black Lives Matter, these are things that we're all going through presently right now. Mm-hmm. And so there is this air of, wow, that just knocked the wind out of me as a teacher too, as a human being, and then also as a teacher. And so I don't know how I'm going to show up. And I had a lot of Zoom classes that first couple of weeks where it was just like, how are we all doing today? Could I just hold space for you and maybe right. sit here um, and not even teach an asana? Um, but yeah, but there is, I find that there is something necessary too as a teacher because you did learn these skills and how to hold a safe space mm-hmm. in terms of keeping their physical body safe, but then also emotionally, mentally to keep them safe too. So there is, there is skill, there is some more sort of wisdom um, intelligence that you that you have uh, that you are offering to them yeah so it's a fine balance I think yeah definitely yeah and I think that we've spoken about before it's really this idea of balance mm-hmm. in this time and how it really feels like there is none <laughs> during this time and that's also a part of the work as well and like I said this beautiful mess and just um beautiful mess as a teacher too, just trying to hold space for yourself as well, um, which is what I loved about the series that we did because I was telling you like that was sometimes my only pocket of time of my week where I was 
um, I felt I felt like I was held um, mm. and also gave me the opportunity to to hold space for others in a little bit more intimate um, setting and, and, and dialogue. Um, and that felt really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially during yeah. this time. Yeah, it was a special group. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that I had told you prior to this for about a year, probably like nine months, I guess, we had been doing this series of Who Are You Becoming? Um, working with bigger groups. But when when everything had happened, I felt that it really needed to be intimate, you know, to work and hold space. What shifted was that I work with you all one-on-one. So I got right. to know your story more intimately and give you some healthy resources to bolster you. And then we shared whatever you were ready to share within that group. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, each week we held space for somebody. So I loved, I won't share your story, but you worked so intimately with me in one direction in the private. Right. And then you and then you came and you completely went in a whole other direction. Mm-hmm. And I think it was because that layer, yeah, you 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 peeled away a layer with me in this one-on-one. And then right. you thought, okay, I, you even said something like, I think I was distracting myself. Absolutely. Remember what, did you, do you remember what you said? I don't know if that was what you said, but. Um, I don't know particularly what I said. I think so. I mean, I'm not particularly sure, but I remember that first meeting. And after the end of our first meeting, I was like, do I really feel that way? Am I really bothered by anything that I just told her? <laughs> like, was it like, and, and so, yeah. And I think it definitely was, um, I think also a bit of nerves because I also haven't been able to really have the time to like sit with my feelings and really mm. vocalize like, how am I feeling? What part of my story did I, do I would like to share? Mm. Um, and so I think I just kind of came up with the most recent things that were um, showing up for me. Mm. And then once you were getting into the practice and I was the first person that week, so I didn't get, yeah. um, so I, I didn't really know what was going to happen, but kind of leading up to it after we, I kind of had a, a, a feel for what, where we were going. Um, I was just, I wanted to remain open to what was showing up for me. And I noticed that a lot of where um, the core of my story really comes from my family and my relationship with my family and uh, my experiences with my family, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just kind of going back to the idea of finding my voice. That was where I had the most difficult time Mm-hmm. Um, finding it and and I saw this opportunity to really exercise and challenge myself to to do that and I took it and it felt great to an awesome playlist and I was I was happy about it <laughs> <laughs> oh I know your playlist was so much fun so yeah so so everybody knows we so each week we hold that space so you came and you shared this very special intimate part of your your life the story mm-hmm. of yours it happened many years prior. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what we did is I asked you to put a playlist together, sort mm-hmm. of highlighting, celebrating that story. That could be a story that is very challenging. And it was for you to share. 
Uh, and then you had this amazing playlist. And it's funny because when you sent me the playlist ahead of time, mm-hmm. and I was sort of like, where is she going with this? It was all of, <laughs> I mean, here I am 20 years older than you. And you had all of these songs from my childhood, like mm-hmm. Whitney Houston and the Eagles. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. And I was just, and Michael Jackson. And I was like, mm-hmm. Where, first of all, where is this girl coming from? How does she know this music? And where is she going? I was so excited. Um, but yeah, and it, it just, it was so beautiful. And we all celebrated you. When that music came on. We all had that intimate connection of understanding, um, you know, what the music meant to you. And it was so beautiful. How did it feel for you? Like when you it shared that and you knew the music was coming but you didn't nobody else knew like how how was that moment for you when we started dancing together started moving around um it felt it was definitely a journey of emotions (laughs) um especially because I didn't know what order you were doing it in and and each song either reminded me of a particular family member of mine or um it paint or like the song a particular song would like paint a memory in my head of and and so it was it was it was great and I was crying and laughing and it felt like I was at a family barbecue (laughs) (laughs) honestly and it felt so good and it and and I didn't realize um how comforting it would be in that way and very cathartic um, and I, I've discussed this with you and, and the group about how it really was a moment of grieving for me that I didn't mm-hmm. really, um, had the chance to do, um, mm-hmm. at the time of event, but it was, it was a beautiful experience. And, and I didn't think I need, and at, I remember coming into it, didn't think it would be a point of grieving for a our experience to process or delve into my grief and it just turned out that that's all it was <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was definitely something I needed and yeah yeah, yeah and I and I shared that with the group and I've probably mm-hmm. said this here too is that how grief just there is no it's like what we were talking about before with, you know, mm-hmm. getting prepared with the pandemic. There's no actual, you know, predictable trajectory of it. Right. You know, here it was, was that maybe 10, 15 years ago that you were going through that, yeah. that event? And, and here it is, you know, this pocket of time and space that is allowing you to grieve. And, and it's going to look different from when you might grieve something else, like a right. dog passing or, or another, you know, family member passing or somebody else that you loved. Because grief is just it. There's no beautiful arc. It's it's a beautiful mess. It's just right. you could feel anger and frustration and sadness and joy and confusion within moments of time. Right. And I just also felt like I was like you're mentioning like I was feeling different levels of grief mm-hmm. through the process, whether it was um, family members that I've lost or um, grief for myself. Um, and it was, it definitely, I always thought that um, the biggest kind of, I guess, uh, most notable loss in my life would be like these two family members of mine. And at first I thought that grief, that was 
um, I didn't have a chance to really process that grief. Um, and so I thought in the beginning of the journey as we were moving, um, that's where it started. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of led towards um, different parts of grief um, for me, whether it was the thing grieving um, the loss of missed opportunities or mm. grieving the loss of um, relationships that didn't work out, whether that be platonic or romantic or um, grief within myself and the things that I felt like I've lost. <laughs> um, and they all kind of came rushing in and all within this backdrop of music that felt like home. And then also moving feels like home. It's my, I always say that's my, that's my go-to language. And then also feeling within home of my community, my little community that we created. So it was all these different feelings, but within the safest possible place that I felt to be in. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and the other thing that I was pleasantly surprised about having all of this on Zoom, because what you mm-hmm. just said is that you felt so safe, you felt at home in your body with the movement, you felt at, at home with the music, with our community that we mm-hmm. had created, but then also you were in the physical place. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you even shared a story about maybe somebody downstairs playing the piano, like your aunt did. Yeah, yeah. So during um, the Shabbat, like when we were resting, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my aunt, um, who passed, I think I was about 15, 15, 16 mm-hmm. years old. Um, and I was actually um, at my cousin's house. So I was in their house um, having the, <laughs> the whole experience, <laughs> which kind of stepped it up a bit. For yeah. me, <laughs> in terms of the waterworks um yeah. and we were heading into shavasana and she was always known for playing the piano and um and so we we're heading into shavasana and I was just hearing the keys playing and it was just my cousin and um my boyfriend who they were just kind of I knew they were just messing around with the piano but um it just kind of came at a really specific time um in terms of the practice and and it was that was very very comforting, mm-hmm. um, whether I believe that you know that was her or not. Um, it just it was it was a really comforting comforting feeling, especially in that space. So. Yeah, I got I got some chills again when you just said yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I I think that that was there were no coincidences. You ended up right. in your cousin's place that day. Right. But uh, what I was of going for too is that I was I was a bit skeptical of having these very intimate right stories Mm -hmm. and and us having these heart opening experiences on zoom of all places right not even in a physical space where we can you know support each other physically if we need a hug or Mm -hmm. or just to you know share that energy but I I have to say there was something beautiful for all of you including myself of being in your own environment Right. Um, feeling safe in your home, like you said, bot in your body, right. in the music, but then also your physical home. Did you feel that? Did, I mean, it sounds like you did, but did you feel like, oh, because I'm here in the safe space, I'm more inclined to open up a little bit more? I don't know if that was conscious or unconscious. Um, absolutely, I think so. Because um, I, I, I'm trying to imagine how this would, this would have been had we did this in a physical space yeah. and um at least from this viewpoint as a dancer I'm 
very comfortable moving my body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so in whether that's like around other people or through Zoom. So I come from a different perspective on that front in terms of the practice. So I can imagine for someone who doesn't have that same background. Yeah, like Jonathan. Yeah, who has that same background and who maybe just dances by themselves like or doesn't in their bedroom. Dance. He did yeah, he, oh, did, he doesn't dance. dance. He didn't well, dance before. I mean, he just said, oh, I haven't danced in years. Well, there you go. So see, you yeah. get those people too who, you know, get to open up and explore their bodies in a different way that they may have not been able to. Um, and I don't know if that would have worked in a physical setting. Yeah. Um, and but yeah, I feel a lot safe, like in this quote unquote, I guess, safer, um, mm-hmm. at least in terms on the, the sharing front. And for whatever reason, I usually I'm not someone who's too shy about sharing too much anyways. <laughs> um, but there is something about, um, I don't know, being behind a screen in some respects that kind of gives you a little bit more agency. Mm-hmm. Um, that you probably wouldn't have um, in person, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I enjoy. I enjoyed it on Zoom. I, I let you know. I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. It gives you like this, like this soft screen where right. like the division of a boundary, but then also it helps break down walls. Right. Mm-hmm. That you might normally put up in front of, you know, if you're in the physical space of somebody else. Absolutely. And I loved that it also gave us the opportunity to bring a bunch of different people from your life together that probably would have never met. Um, And that's probably the most beautiful part because, I mean, since you brought up Jonathan, like he lives all the way up in Canada. So it's like I would have never met him. I still haven't met him. Right. (laughs) So we probably wouldn't have connected if it weren't for platforms like this where we can do it online and to be able to share such a really beautiful intimate um few weeks together um learning each other's stories but then in this space in this virtual space but then in such a safe um environment is really interesting and really beautiful because it's like how how else are we supposed to be connecting in this way during this time? Yeah. Um, if it weren't for this. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, it was a beautiful group. Um, yeah, I kind of invited, it was an invite only this time around. Mm-hmm. So I did have some personal connection to each of you. But yeah, Jonathan, mm-hmm. and we spoke about this in his podcast. I haven't physically met him yet. We met on right. social media. You, um, you, I had a little bit of a relationship with as your right. teacher and Jen also, but she also is, you know, a nomad, um, in various ways. And then, yeah. And we had another, another person in our group who I had only met at one little event. Yeah. Victoria, mm-hmm. I think I can say her name. That's anonymous <laughs> enough. Yeah. I only met her in one, one event when I was in Barcelona in February and I just, we connected on social media again and Felt right. like she was a good addition being in Brazil, you know, trying to get people from all around the, the world to a certain extent and diverse yeah. backgrounds. So yeah, it was a really special group and we'll do that again. Yeah, we're doing that again where it's a little bit, it's not invite only this time. We're opening it up, but it's still going to be that small group mm-hmm. so that we can have these these space 
spaces where we can share and each each person can get seen and heard. And that's really what I'm feeling is with everything that's happening right now, um, we feel disconnected in a lot of ways because we can't be physically with the people in the ways that we used to be so casually. And so we kind of took it for granted. Right. And so there is a bit of this sense of disconnect or loneliness. So how can we create that connection again, right? How can we create that connection in a new way possibly? And that's been a real gift to be able to find those connections with, like you said, people that you might not have normally met before. Right. Might not have normally crossed paths before. So yeah, it's really special to be able to to find these ways of, of connecting and reconnecting mm. and remembering that we are worthy of being seen and heard. Because I think that being in that kind of disconnect, it goes into if you have any sort of inclination to right. be depressed and to isolate yourself, it's it's been very easy to kind of go into that again. So yeah, finding these ways where we can be seen and heard. And, and to hold space for other people too yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. and hopefully hold space for yourself <laughs> yeah exactly mm-hmm. so and so now what now what is what is the life of leah going to look like from here on out what's your plan my, plan, my life plan <laughs> I, I put that in quotes because we, we <laughs> joked about that earlier but what's happening in your world now um well, I am thankfully still teaching. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm still um, in um, the Austin and Terrytown, Westchester area. Um, so I'm still teaching classes. Um, Can we find you? Are we able to come to your class? Or is this all virtual or in person? Um, well, so at least for uh, my Riverstone yoga classes, which is based in Terrytown, New York, um, we can... Where can oh we can sign up on either Mind Body or the Riverstone um, Yoga.com. And I teach both outdoor and um, Zoom classes on Fridays and Sundays. Okay. And I also am offering um, my own uh, donation based classes under Urban Lily, H E R B A N L I L Y.com. Okay, good. I'll put that in the notes too. Yeah. Um, and that kind of bred, um, that kind of came up and showed up um, in development um, for a lot of my um, friends and family and a lot of other members of my community who may not be able or have financial access to be taking yoga at this time. Um, and especially with my background, I started my practice at a donation-based yoga studio in the city and um, where I was thankfully surrounded and practicing around everyone of all walks of life. And mm-hmm. I've always dreamt of um, create, recreating that space as much as I could within my classes and hopefully creating a space in terms of um, this new project of Urban Lily. <laughs> um, but um, you can, I teach every, I teach a Thursday and a, uh, th- every Thursday, a morning and an evening class and you can see those times and stuff at urbanlily.com okay good yeah we'll study mm-hmm. with you yeah yeah and so and you'll continue on with your coalition and absolutely also bringing you on board into nomad land yeah busy busy <laughs> yeah so you're Keeps busy coming. girl yeah 
Oh, that's beautiful. Is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up? Um, not anything particularly, but just, you know, gratitude for you, Phoebe. Um, and I gave you the whole story before, but I just want to do it now again. Just, I just feel, I just feel very grateful to be able to, we were able to reconnect in this way. And then, um, and in this new light, um, not just as a teacher, but, you know, as a friend and, um, and I really appreciate all the work that you're doing and I'm so excited to see more and thank you for having me. Oh, well, yeah. thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm extremely grateful for you too to to take a chance and and this new endeavor that I'm offering um, with who are we becoming and and also Movement 109 because you're right. going to become a facilitator in Movement 109 right. this fall. I am. <laughs> so I'm I'm grateful to kind of pass that baton to you in some ways, you know, um, and to others too. But yeah, I'm I'm very grateful for you and helping us continue the mission of nomad in our ways just the person that you are you're a shining light so oh, just baby. keep shining <laughs> just keep shining that light of yours we need oh, it thank you phoebe yeah. you're sweet okay <laughs> oh. okay well thank you leah thank you thank you everyone <laughs>